Welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-host Justin Valenzuela for episode 15, where we are going to talk about Jay Wright, the Villanova head coach retiring, more news on the NBA playoffs, and the moves made by the wide receivers in the NFL. Justin, how are we doing, my friend? Doing pretty good. It's a nice Friday morning. Ready to get this bread. Let's go. It's a good Friday. I'm on call today Hell for yeah. a softball game. Was it 1 o'clock first pitch? 1 o'clock. The Seton Hall girls are taking on the number one seated in the Big East, UConn Huskies. Of course. Because why not? Because UConn is at number one in freaking everything, it feels like. God damn. Is our softball team in par with our baseball team, or are they like... Not really the same caliber because... Oh, they're much better. Okay, good. Because that would suck. Our so- our softball team's suck. awesome. We got a few studs. I always see them. You know what? I think the most... And it could just be the state of female sports, but the most active team that I see on campus, like as far as just walking around, you know, bringing life to campus is the softball team. You always see them walking around the calf, and you could tell they're on the softball team because they got their damn softball pants on but like <laughs> you don't see the baseball players that often it's very rare to see the basketball players so i think yeah as i was saying it could be just the state of the team but they seem to bring the most life to campus which is really cool well speaking about bringing life to campus actually before the game there is like hot dogs hamburgers just free stuff for students to really yeah it's a little cookout before the game so oh, hell yeah man so yeah we'll have work, we'll have some treats before the friday for are you before a, the game today are you a glizzy glizzy gobbler i am not a big hot dog guy really i'm more of a brat guy personally a what a brat <laughs> what is that uh like a bratwurst what like a, a brat is like a thicker hot dog uh beats me man that's that that's that kansas in you right there well, if but I'm going to take anything, it's burgers. True, but I could down a glizzy, like, <laughs> unhinged jaw, just... <laughs> hot okay. Hot dog, like, no, like, hot dogs are good, bro. You get some ketchup and mustard on them. Man, <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, Justin, let's get into the sports world. We were talking about dominant teams earlier in the Big East. Let's talk about Nova a little bit. Jay Wright, their head basketball basketball coach, just retired. It's sad to see a great like that go from the game, but man, that is huge for us. Facts. As a kind of little brother team, compared to Villanova at least, we've been kind of bullied by Jay Wright in the past couple of years. We've lost a lot of Big East tournament finals and semifinals to Nova. Lost a lot of regular season games to Villanova. Um, P's and Q's to Jay Wright, but... Let's go. It's time. It's time for us to take over the Big East, hopefully, because they lost uh, their best player, and now one of the greatest basketball head coaches of all time. So that's it's sad for Villanova, but hey, good for us. Yeah, it is good for us. Connor Gillespie, the the senior who who le- or the grad student actually who is going to move on this year, but man, that resume is just ridiculous. Justin, it's eighteen juicy. NCAA tournament appearances, five time Big East conference winner. And he figured he f- they finished with the best record in the Big East eight different times while he was head coach, and then in the tourney, four Final Four appearances and won the Natty twice. And me personally, I think they had the best win in NCAA championship history. I agree. 
I think Kansas gives them a bit of a run for their money after that like magnificent comeback, but just in the fashion that Villanova won with Chris Jenkins, especially after Marcus Page hits that crazy circus shot, to me that's my favorite basketball game of all time. So, yeah, Villanova has a place in my heart. Um, I know I mentioned it before, my great-grandfather was a huge, huge Villanova fan. He went to Nova back in the day. Uh, my family, he wasn't the most reliable, claims that he played on the basketball team before they were like officially Villanova. And then my great uncle, or not my, yeah, my great uncle actually did play on the team in like the 60s and 70s. So I do have ties to Villanova, but as a pirate, hell nah. But yeah, special place in my heart. But just to add on, six-time Big East Coach of the Year, two-time Smith Coach of the Year. He won like a BS CBS Coach of the Year award too in there. So like just a crazy, crazy good resume for an amazing coach. Yeah, we lost two very good college basketball coaches in Coach K and Jay Wright this year. Two guys who, you know, I would I would hope to see in a coaching hall of fame. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, we as fans are going to lose them. But at the same time, man, it's the Coach Shaw era yeah, at definitely. Seton Hall. It is time for him to step up with now definitely the, the best team in the Big East losing – I would say their top two weapons yeah, and their I head think coach and their best player. Still have to watch out. I mean, now's the I mean the Big East is as is as open as ever, but um Marquette's a team to watch. UConn is always dangerous. Um I'm sure Villanova will hire within the Jay Wright coaching staff, so they'll still be as lethal as ever. The Big East is very open. I think Providence falls off a little bit. They have a lot of, a lot of seniority on that team. But I want to go back real quick. You said Coach K and Coach Wright. Roy Williams retired the year before that. Legendary yeah. coach from UNC. So it's a different era of college basketball. And I think, honestly, you kind of are starting to see that because, like, the Jayhawks won the tournament, which is like pigs must be flying or something. Because how often does that happen nowadays, you know? It's so not it's, like, but it's not like crazy, though. Well, I mean, they like won. What? It's been. It's been about 15 years. Yeah, but they've been, been, to, they've been to the final four. Oh, yeah. A no, lot. They're, they're a dominant team. But, like, usually it is, oh, Kansas dominates the regular season, dog walks the first couple of rounds of the uh, tournament. And then they just, you know, they kind of fall off. They fall But uh, I think that just goes to show the change uh, through coaching. I mean, Arkansas is amazing. When's yeah. the last time we said that? It's just a different era of college basketball, and I am so for it. I am as well. You know, being a, being a fan of a lot of Big Ten teams, as my dad roots for Illinois. I mean, he's, a, he's an ex, or he's a former alum. So, I mean, I, I love to see competitiveness both within – divisions and having the tournament be wide open because hearing of new teams every year they'll walk in the tournament and whether it be Cinderella teams or teams that have like come like head and shoulders above where they were last season is really incredible because you saw we saw teams like Texas Tech make a run at the final four a couple years ago Loyola Chicago had those great runs I mean hell we saw Oral Roberts come out of nowhere last year and win a bunch of games so Bringing in, you know, new new teams, different faces is always fun because you tend to learn about the different cultures behind different teams, and you begin to yeah, fall in really, love with more teams as well. Yeah, like Xavier is a team I really enjoyed watching this year just because of the, the culture, like you were mentioning. But I have a question. Growing up as a Big Ten basketball fan, sure, you got a pretty good taste of Big East basketball, and I know we didn't show out in the tournament. We had a lot of representation, did not show out in the tournament as we thought or had hoped. 
But now that you've kind of gotten a taste up close and personal of Big East basketball in the regular season and Big East conference play, what is the best conference in your opinion? That's that's a really tough question because, man, the because the Big Twelve at the same time is really strong. Yeah. But the problem with the Big Twelve is they have three really dominant teams, yeah. and then it just kind of falls off very quickly. Whereas, like Big Ten, every year there's seven or eight teams from that conference in the in the tournament. This year we saw, I believe, it was six from the Big East. So. For me, I think personally how I rate the best conference is how many of your teams represent at the end of the year. Yeah. And last year that was the Big Ten. So I, I considered them the best in um, the best conference in basketball. But at the same time, you can look at it from multiple different lenses because yeah. with KU and Baylor being, you know, the top heavy of the Big Twelve. Which is weird. You could you could easily look at them and it's like, oh yeah, well they just beat everybody, yeah. therefore they're the best but conference. It's weird because like for the Big Twelve, I feel like forever it was KU and Texas. Baylor only recently has kind of you know come into the light. But, yeah. Uh, going back real quick, I feel like I just enjoy competitive play, mm-hmm. and I think if you want competitive, it's a dogfight. Whether it's the top team in the Big East or the last team in the Big East. I mean, uh, excluding Georgetown this year. Yeah, that was one, just that was an anomaly. Yeah, like they they were horrible, but like for the most part, any given team can win on any given game, and I think that's what I love about the Big East is I know typically outside of Villanova we don't show out in the tournament, and that's kind of just the stigma of the Big East typically, and it's because we don't get those top recruits, and I think that's what makes the Big East so nice is we're usually outside of Villanova, which is an elite blue blood program in my opinion it's dominated by like underrated recruits guys who are developed and you you always see like junior seniors uh grad students that are finally getting their due time and showing out and i think that's what i love about the big east because the big 10 is usually dominated by like one lottery pick on one team you know what i'm saying like it's very skill wise is most definitely better but i think what i love about the big east the most is the competitiveness and the grit and grind of every game every season players buy into the programs like Sandego, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, all of the like I, I get it a little like bit. even even Gillespie. Okay. Grad student. You know what I'm saying? Like players buy into these programs and I think yeah. it means a lot more because in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve you get guys that are there for a year cashing in, playing the most competitive basketball they can against crazy good competition. And they're moving on and very then quickly. A year or two after they're, you know, in the NBA the doing end. their thing. Yep. Um but the Big East you don't really get NBA players. You get guys that buy into programs, and then they're done. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about it. Yeah, so we're going to have to see how the Big East is going forward. I'm looking forward to the wide openness of the conference. I think it's going to make it really excited, really exciting. And going to games, you know, I, I had a blast last year. I'll probably buy season tickets again. I don't know about you. Yeah, definitely. But actually, I may, may not, because, you know, if we work games, it'll be... I mean, we get him for free. free, so yes, sir. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, let's move on now to the NBA playoffs where we're going to recap some of the games that happened last night and over the week. And unfortunately, Justin, we're going to start in Boston. Yeah, just rip the Band-Aid right off. Yep. Get it, get it out the way. Nets crumble in the fourth, and yep. Katie and Kyrie, man. Yep. You love them, but 
Yeah, they know. haven't been able to close the door. Yeah, I, I don't know. I had a lot of faith. I spoke very highly of them. They, they've they just not performed. Um, I personally hold Kevin Durant to a very high standard. I went as far as to call him the best player in the conference. And he's simply not playing like that. And I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. I don't know if I was just ignorant. But got to figure it out. You got two games in Brooklyn. Have to win both of these. If you lose one of these, you're down 3-1. Series is over, no doubt in my mind. If they can tie it up to a piece, go back to Boston, then head back to Brooklyn, I think we'll be okay. But yeah, this is crucial. This the season is on the line for the next two games, no doubt. Yeah, it's it'll just be sad, man. I, I it's tough. I didn't see this coming. A lot of people did, and that's just me being biased, probably. But yeah, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, gotta figure it out. What did they shoot in the fourth quarter, Jackson? They shot. They combined one for 17 amongst two of the best players in the league in the second half. Now, much credit to the Boston Celtics. I, I, I have to be honest. What they're doing is unheard of. So, like, just, just to be able to... And I think what's ironic, too, is T-Mac called Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant the most talented duo of all time. And LeBron James and Dwayne Wade second that. Yeah, they and then they go they and like, do this, yep. and it's honestly not as much as Kyrie because he went off on game one. He dropped thirty nine. Uh, the only reason we were really in that game to begin with, um, in the second game he got clipped. But it's also like it's hard, and I hate that it has to be like this. But it's Ramadan, you know. He had his first meal at the end of the first quarter. It's hard for him, and I get that. But Kevin Durant, man. Come on, baby. Back in Brooklyn. Let's bounce back, bro. We have to win these two games. Now, Ben Simmons, is he going to come back for game four? Is yeah, that what it was? it's c- confirmed, yeah. Okay, so this game, it's got to be a win. And then, and then you get who you think will be the deciding factor oh, in this yeah, no series. Doubt. I think because, okay. like, uh, I, I don't know. Because, like, it's not like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown beat us. They themselves didn't have that good of a game. But I think what our kryptonite right now is spacing. We have, it's all ISO. We have no spacing. Because Kyrie Irving, he is a point guard by definition. But he operates better as an off-ball ball handler, you know, making his own shots. He's not really creating offense for others. He's creating offense for himself. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Ben Simmons will create offense for everyone. Got it. And he'll penetrate, you know? He'll penetrate the defense Mm -hmm. and then kick it out to shooters like Seth Curry. I mean, you can make the argument that Bruce Brown is kind of a shooter now. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think he's an X factor. But, you know, again, no no real chemistry between him and the team. So we will see. Well, let's talk about a team that's got plenty of chemistry and has been closed or closed the door last night. The Chicago Bulls, man. You know, I, I didn't have faith in them in this series, and I don't know if I do. But they got a win in Milwaukee, which is one of... That's a big check mark on their list in order to take down a team like the Bucks. Yes. Chris Middleton being out is helping, obviously, and it will help throughout the series. And now, DeMar's hitting his stride once again. DeMar is the king of the fourth, man. He is one of... Three Bulls to have a 40-point playoff game. 
Justin, the only other two who have done that are D-Rose and MJ. Wow. That's some pretty damn good company, if I do say so myself. Definitely. And this is a career high for him in the postseason. So, DeMar really starting to take the reins of this team. I know we didn't, I know we talked about how the Bulls were a very versatile team, a lot of players who can do a whole heck of a lot. But DeMar really has been, you know, the X factor on this team. And I think a lot of it, too, is we talked about, we did talk about the versatility, like I mentioned. Having Alex Caruso back as well has been another key factor. His defense has been so strong all season, and having him back along with his ability to move things around on the offensive side of things, it's really started to bring the Bulls full circle, and now they have the, the city of Chicago behind them. It's going to be really exciting to see how the series closes out. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, again, Milwaukee is a very formidable opponent, but I think the fact that DeMar Rosen was, I think he had like, what, 16 points with Giannis as the primary defender? Mm -hmm. That's huge because that is their best defender. So if your best player is proving that he can get to the bucket and score yeah. on the best defender, I think that's huge moving forward. So got to swallow my pride. I was wrong about the Bulls. I thought they were going to get dog walked. They've proven to be competitive, so good for them. Yeah, we'll have to see how that continues going forward. Now we're going to head into some series that, well, I guess a, a set of series. We'll hit the uh, we'll hit the 76ers and the Warriors and Nuggets really quickly as they're both teams that have gone up 3-0 as Embiid hit the game winner in overtime. I mean, yeah, like that's that's a, it's a tough break for the Raptors as they've been a good game. they've been taking tough breaks all season, you know. Yeah. But now that they've won in Toronto, do you think that the 76ers can bring it home? Yeah, one more game. They got it locked up. Good for the Sixers. Must be nice. Um, again, I was wrong. Wow, I was kind of wrong a lot. But, uh, you know, that's how it be. Sixers proved me wrong. I, I mean, I knew they were going to be the winners at the end of the day, but the sweep, that's crazy. I didn't think they were going to sweep the Raptors. But Nick Nurse, what do you think? He's out? Yeah, probably. I think so, too. Yeah. I would hate to see him go to the Lakers, though, just because. Mm hmm. Why? But, I mean, I, I, who else would you rather coach in Toronto still? Or if you like your other option would be like LeBron James? Like, <laughs> obviously, you're. Although, are you, though? Because I, I feel like, obviously, there's no real narrative of this, but we've also never really seen it before. Well, actually, there is kind of a narrative. So, Eric Spolstra, great head coach. We all know that. He's got his heat as the number one seed. Yeah. Him and LeBron James had friction at first. And mm -hmm. LeBron actually wanted Spolstra fired. But uh, the Heat organization refused to do it. So, I mean, you could kind of formulate a narrative if you really want to. I know I'm a LeBron hater, but I'm not going to go that far and say he's uncoachable. But maybe Nick Nurse is kind of hesitant to go coach a player like that because he feels like he won't be as hands-on as he can be with a team like the Raptors. So maybe that's the deciding factor. We'll see. I heard... Uh, I heard LeBron wants Mark. The, the Lakers want uh, Nurse, and LeBron wants Mark Jackson. So Ooh. inevitably, they'll probably get Mark Jackson, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll have to see. But let's hit the other 3-0 series real quick as Jordan Poole continues to impress. Poole, Steph, yeah. and Clay combined for 26, 27, and 27. Wow. That's formidable, man. You got the MVP of the league. And you're beating them 3-0. But, like, yeah. 
I feel bad for Jokic because he's playing with absolute scrubs, but the Warriors are crazy good. I don't think I don't think a fully healthy Nuggets beats the Warriors either way. Well, that and you know Draymond had a great defensive play at the end of the game. Man, the Warriors just seem, at least in this series, they've seemed so complete. So we're going to have to see how they go up against other teams in the West because that that conference is, can be so strong. But if they get good matchups all the way up to, you know, the Eastern or the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, you know, this is, this is a team that has a real opportunity to, to win things out. Okay, well now let's move on to the Grizzlies and T-Wolves as the Grizzlies picked up a huge come-from-behind win in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that come t- they they finished on like a 21 to 0 run to, you know, get back and then they outscored them like 26 to something. I don't even know, just absurd numbers. Cat, my man, my Dominican brother, got to shoot the ball. 3 for 4. Eight points in a playoff game is just inexcusable. And I think it's ironic that you got caught in 4K. Uh, Mic'd up saying they were up uh, big. They were up like 17. And he's like, we in Minnesota now. Yeah, we told him. I said post game, we in Minnesota now. Proceeds to get dog walked 21 to 0 to give up that lead. Um, It's just not how you want it to go. But yeah, it really be like that. Sometimes you speak very highly and then you get caught get caught looking stupid. I can relate to that one. So great series though. Um I still think it goes to six or seven. I don't think this series by any means is over. T Wolves, they got another one in Minnesota. Bounce back, get that dub. Let's see what happens. Well, Justin, Jaw came through with the triple double and you know, the Grizzlies just they just grinded it out, man. Slowly yeah. but surely Minnesota slowed up and Grizzlies, you know, they found their prey and they hunted it when they needed it. All right. Mavs and Jazz, the final series for the playoffs. Mavs get another win with Luka out the lineup. Just embarrassing for the Jazz. Very embarrassing. I know I mentioned earlier uh, a couple episodes ago, if the Jazz don't win this round, then they are blowing it up. And it looks like Donovan Mitchell might want out. Just don't go to the Knicks, dude because the Knicks are no better than the Jazz. But, wow, <clears throat> Stephen A. said they invent ways to lose, and I thought that was hilarious because it's so true. It's they're such, a talent, they're such a talented team, and, like, you're letting Jalen Brunson... Okay, I'm going to sound ignorant as hell. Who the hell is Jalen Brunson, and why is he dropping 41 followed by 30? Like, how are you allowing this? I don't understand. Their best player by head and shoulders, is out. And you are still losing. It's just embarrassing. It's very embarrassing. They have to They have to evaluate what they're doing this offseason. I predict big chains for, in Utah. I would too, man. If, if you can't win a series like this when you have the biggest advantage. You know, I mean, they were in Utah last night. Yeah. And they lost. So... I mean, really, there's no more to say about the series. Well, you know what's even worse? I don't know if this says more about the Mavs organization or the Jazz. I'm going to say it says more about the Jazz. Lucas said he felt 100% fine, ready to go, and they still sat him with utmost confidence that they would win. That's genuinely embarrassing to the Jazz. Yeah. 
It is. I mean, they won. They won one game already without him. What's what's trying to win two? No, I know. No, I'm saying the Jazz. They barely won game one. Barely without Luca. Well, I was I was talking about the Mavs, oh, but oh, like oh, my bad. to talk about like that confidence without him. But regardless, man, there's there's not much more to talk about. Let's uh, let's move actually into the NFL now and uh, talk about some exciting things. You know, we were talking about Donovan Mitchell moving places. We could have, you know, three, four receivers in new locations this year. And I know we've already had, I mean, we've already seen Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill move. Now, 2019 wide receiver draft class with Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. I mean, these guys are all talking about sitting out of their of their team's not in season but off season workouts. Well, I don't think DK is, but yeah, three DK's out the of the four, three out of the four, man. Debo requesting a trade. Are we like? Are we officially in the era where players can choose where they want to play? Yes, I think we've been in that era for a couple years. It's just finally coming full circle, and everyone's realizing. And to be honest, I'm not a fan of it because I see what it's done to the NBA. And it's not the same league. And, I mean, we already have, excuse me, a couple years ago, the Browns were the super team. And, obviously, it failed. But they had, like, OBJ, Juice Landry. They had a bunch of studs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all thought it was was going to be crazy. It was like they played Madden, you know? And, obviously, in retrospect, it didn't work. But now we know what it looks like when it works in the Rams. And we see teams uh, giving up their future to get players, like, I don't like the direction that it could it could head. It could end well because, like, at the same time, NBA money and NFL money is two completely different things. But I really do think that this uh, this wide receiver market is a direct outcome of the goddamn Jaguars, dude. What are they doing? Do you see they've directly affected five different teams, maybe even six? They affected the Chiefs. They affected the Packers. They're affecting the 49ers. They're affecting the Titans. They're affecting the football team, and they're affecting the Seahawks. They literally started this giant fire and couldn't care less. Yeah. Like, that's that's crazy to me, but with Debo requesting a trade, uh, there's kind of mixed reports. Jeff Darlington, the guy that was the one that broke the news that Debo was officially requesting a trade, uh, went live yesterday and said that he's willing to bet come draft time Debo is not a 49er. It has to do with his usage. I'm sure the fans being racist to him uh, has something to do with it. And he's simply, it's really simple as this. He wants to be closer to home. He wants to be closer to South Carolina. And I know a certain place where South Carolina is an hour and 20 minute flight from. That's New York. <clears throat> New Jersey. So, oh, okay. Debo to the Jets, baby. Let's make it happen. I've been very hard on the Jets getting one of these receivers. Uh, kind of thought it was A.J. Brown for a little bit. He kind of duked on us. That's not happening. Terry McLaurin, I don't think, moves. D.K. Metcalf, I don't think, is moving. But Debo is the one that comes forward, which is ironic because I feel like at the time before all of this happened, wasn't the consensus that, like, Debo's not getting moved, right? Yeah, exactly. Everyone, nobody, nobody pictured Debo getting moved. You and I both. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't see it happening. But now that it's here and we're staring it right in the face, Joe Douglas, baby. Go get it done. 
You know, me personally, I'm going to I'm going to stick with my assumption. I don't think he moves as much as the analysts are talking about it. You think it's a remediable situation? Of course, dude. I how mean, is homesickness fixable though? Like how do you fix that? You you bring home to him. Okay? And whether uh, whether that Fair. be Okay. What I think what you have to do right when it comes to Debo is you made your entire offense around one player and that was him last year. Mhm. And as much as, you know, you hate LeBron for what he does with, oh, you must respect my wishes or, like, whatever. Everything that's happening now is kind of, like, almost in a sense what he created. The last time Debo asked for something on the 49ers, he got it. Which was? In the wild card game, Debo Samuel looks at Coach Shanahan on the sidelines and says, Coach, get me the rock. I'm going to score. Okay, and that this is this is the moment that I think I realized how close the relationship between these two was because Mm -hmm. that next play against the Cowboys inside zone handoff to Debo Samuel offensive line does work shoving people out of the way Debo makes a crazy cut back into the open field scores a 20 yard touchdown run. That's the type of relationship that I think will keep Debo Samuel in San Francisco. And that's why that's I fair. love Kyle Shanahan because he does scheme around his players like he did Kittle, you know, the year that they yeah. went three and thirteen, yet he still had the receiving record for a tight end. Like take some of the pressure off Debo. Kittle's gonna be more healthy this year. Maybe you end up with a, a they don't have like a top draft pick, but maybe you go get a, uh, a depth piece, or maybe you get go get somebody in free agency. Like, they just signed Charvarius Ward, but if they go get, like, a bottom-level receiver, somebody like a D-Jax, like Deshaun Jackson was talking I about being a free retiring. agent. Okay, so, just, but somebody like that, you know what I mean? To take a little bit of pressure off of Debo, because you can't make your entire offense around him, and I think a lot of the offense can be shifted, because yeah. if they bring Trey Lance in, Man, think about all the option work that he's... Offense. Exactly. So, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to do his best. One, to repair the relationship. And two, I'm sorry, but to get their fans' heads out of their asses. Yeah, what the hell? You cannot, and I mean you cannot, and I, as much as anybody knows, because we lost our top guy, and he didn't even think before walking out the door. Yeah, Do we say anything to him? Fans, no. The 49ers and their fans need to calm the heck down. You are going to lose players. It will happen. It's part of the game. You cannot treat them for how they're acting now. You have to respect them for what they did for your organization. And that is final. Yeah, and, that's, and that's <clears throat> if those two things can come together... Debo Samuel is going to have a very long and healthy career. Yeah, I just feel in like the 49ers I feel like the damage is done. Um, Debo, buddy, Jets fans, we would never ever send you death threats and send racial racial things to you because um, we're better fans than the 49ers. So come through, rep that green and white. Uh, let Zaddy Wilson throw you the ball. Let's get her done. Not for real. In all seriousness. I would love to see Debo as a Jet. I would love to see A.J. Brown as a Jet. I would love to see Terry McLaurin as a Jet. I would love to see D.K. Metcalf as a Jet. It's a pipe dream, and I get that. But this one does seem the most realistic. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, you see the best odds are like the Jets, Lions, and Packers. Um, why would the why would the Lions trade for him, considering their you know current state? Like the Jets, yes, the Jets are rebuilding. But oh, you know what's actually kind of interesting? I just remembered. So when Stefan Diggs was traded to the Bills, mm-hmm. it was like a obviously the Bills were a playoff team, but it was like a it was a move to put them over that hump. Yep. Um, and I remember a lot of Jets fans were pissed off at our GM. And they were like, why didn't we trade for him? Because, like, we expect, we demand great. We're like Yankee fans, but it's like we're rooting for the Mets. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We, every time there's a big-name trade target or a big-name free agent, our fans are like, go get him, go get him, go get him. And then it doesn't happen because our GM actually has a plan. And we're like, oh, boo, this guy sucks. But he told us three years ago, um, when, when our time comes, we will make these types of moves. You just have to see it through. Mm-hmm. And we saw it through, and now we're seeing the fruits of the labor because we essentially Tyreek Hill was a Jet. People don't understand he was a Jet. We were negotiating a contract, and then the Dolphins came in last second, took him from us. It wasn't anything we could do about it. He just wanted to play in Miami over New York. Simple. Go back home. I get it. But our GM is showing that he's aggressive with these receivers. He thinks now is the time to go get one of these big ticket free agents, like the Bills did with Stephon Diggs, and I think that. Inevitably, he's going to get it done. He's going to be aggressive, and he's going to give that king's ransom, whatever that may, be, whatever they may consider that to be. I'm willing to give up ten, to be honest, because if we don't trade for a receiver, we are drafting one at ten. So why not just trade for a proven one? I get it. You know, just get it done, whatever I that may it. be. I get it. Well, let's talk about the other three receivers. We've done enough on Debo, but let's just hit on him real quick because. I mean, I don't know. I don't see AJ Brown or Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin or DK Metcalf moving. Like yeah. the, they're they're three guys who, one, if Washington doesn't re-sign Terry McLaurin, they're idiots. Like the man has done so well with a revolving door of QBs, an organization that quite frankly has needed to clear house for a long time with the allegations behind them, and yet he still makes it to the Pro Bowl. Like. Yeah, he's just this this guy. Like you can't let him go, and you just got Carson Wentz, and you're not about to lose your top option. So yeah, they need no. to. That's a priority resign. I don't even think there's drama. Like, no, I, there's there's like I'm be. hearing nothing about uh, the Commanders and Terry McLaurin wanting to break up or split up, whatever you want to call it. I think it's just he fits the criteria of all the others, so mm-hmm. that's why his name is on the list. I feel like the most realistic to get moved of the bunch. Maybe AJ Brown. Not even is DK. You not, think? Really? Not because he wants to go, but because it just makes the most sense. Oh, he, yeah, to get into an he, entire rebuild. He doesn't fit their window anymore, you know? Yeah. So, like, if you want to, like, they could have 9 and 10. But immaturely and stupidly, they traded two first-round picks for Jamal. So, like, if you want to recuperate some draft capital, I know they have draft capital right now because of the Russ trade. But, like, your team is not geared to win right now. So, mm-hmm. if you want to recuperate even more... Although, uh, never mind. I forgot they have Tyler Lockett. But, like, DK's obviously worth way more than Tyler Lockett. But I think mm-hmm. out of the grouping of these fourth-year receivers, I think DK is the most realistic to get moved. I don't envision – I see Debo getting moved. I don't see A.J. Brown, Terry McCormick, DK getting moved. Got it. But if they were to be, I think DK gets moved just because it makes the most sense. No, it, it does because, quite frankly, I mean, I think they Seattle needs to do the same thing that Atlanta does. Just realize you're in a rebuild. Yeah. Pete Carroll doesn't want to do that because he said he'll never be in a rebuild. 
but his time's coming just, up anyways. Yeah. Just understand that, you know, you tried to work with Russ. It it you tried to continue that that window as long as you could and it was fading and even though you didn't realize it, it was still fading. So now it is time to officially close the window. Don't try to do anything. You cannot be competitive in that division. It's so strong right now. So now's the time when I think you're right, Justin. If if any of these guys get moved, DK Metcalf makes the most sense. I'm not sure about Debo. And AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin are way too loyal to their own teams. I don't even get moved as well. Yeah, and it just it doesn't make sense for AJ Brown to leave the Titans. That's you know? true. Like they they need that number one guy. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Crow's Nest. Thank you all so much for tuning in, Justin. Thank you for another wonderful episode. I am looking forward to seeing how free agency pans out. Definitely. The end of these uh, playoff playoff series and hey, little Villanova action too. Real quick, see how real they quick. end up. Our next episode is going to be before the NFL draft, and then our next episode is going to be the day immediately following the first round. So. Whew. You want to run back another mock draft on Tuesday? See see if anything changes over the weekend. See, just finalize our predictions for the first round and see what happens, and then we can react to the first round and see I, how. I we think went. we could definitely talk about, you know, what the the real important picks and like yeah. how how that Shockers. has changed, right? So yeah, maybe like you know me moving uh, the Jets off of Garrett Wilson and more onto Jamison Williams. So. We'll have to see how that pans out, but we will definitely get more NFL draft stuff to you guys. And Justin and I next week going to go watch it at MetLife. Yeah, We're going to have yeah. so much fun together, and we'll give you your react- our reactions for, for that. Yeah, but, we got we to gotta get some content, record some content for that. Ooh, yeah, maybe something on the Instagram. Yeah, hell yeah. But for Justin Valenzuela, my name is Jackson Shank. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll see you all next time.